I think it's not necessarily about, you know, I really want to start something, so start it now. But sometimes it's all about, you know, getting to know people, joining other nonprofits, learning from them, and then moving on and doing your own thing afterwards, which is something that if anyone's up to, definitely go for it because if you're passionate, things can really happen. From societal norms to language and growth opportunities, living abroad has so much to offer that it opens our eyes to not only another reality, but to our own. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Hannah, and welcome to Malaysians Abroad Podcast, where we will explore all diverse experiences, insights, and opinions of Malaysians who have lived abroad. Hey everyone, it's Hannah. Since the pandemic hit, schools have been shut down and Malaysian students have had to stay home. A lack of resources and accessibility inspired Kaveen to start Rakan Tutor to overcome learning loss and bridge the education gap for the underprivileged. Rakan Tutor does free tutoring programs for Malaysian students and is completely powered by the youth. Kaveen shares how the core team manages the non-profit organization across different time zones with us in this episode. Listen also for information on how they've raised funds for their non-profit and starting points for you if you have a cause you are passionate about. Enjoy! Hi Kaveen, thank you so much for coming onto the Malaysians Abroad podcast. Could you start us off by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, great to be here. So my name is Kaveen. I'm currently a third year student at the University of Warwick in the UK, studying maths and stats. I was born in Subang, actually, but right now living in Kajang. And yeah, I'm a student, third-year student, finishing my final year, but also one of the co-founders of Rakan Tutor. Cool. Wow. Maths and stats. <laughs> Something I could never do. So you mentioned Rakan Tutor. Can you tell us more about Rakan Tutor? What's that about? And how did you get the idea to start Rakan Tutor? Yeah, sure. So very briefly, Rakan Tutor is a nonprofit organization offering free one-to-one tutoring for underserved secondary school students in Malaysia. We aim to equip the students with the skills and confidence to perform better academically, whilst also giving them the motivation to achieve their fullest potential. So I guess there's like two parts to that. So the first one is we want them to improve academically. So this year we did our first cohort, or we're doing our first cohort right now, and it's focused on SPM math. However, on the second part, we're also thinking about you know, what's beyond SPM? Um, what other things can they be looking forward to? Um, and we think that this one-to-one model of like one-to-one tutoring can actually create like this mentorship um, aspect element that can actually help mm-hmm. them in other areas apart from the academic. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's very briefly about what Rakan Tutor is. And yeah, we're, we just launched our first cohort. We're about halfway through now. And yeah. That's about it for our computer. Very cool. Is it just you or is it you and another person? Or Yeah, so it's myself and Kai Song who co-founded Rakan Tutor. But actually, mm-hmm. we're more than just two people. Um, you know, we start off as two, but slowly grew to five to 10 to 15. And now we're at about 30 to 35 people who are wow. working. So yeah, across marketing, um, throughout our operations team, our student welfare team, um, partnerships team, and so forth. Yeah. Really cool. So are you all based in UK and Malaysia, or where's everyone based at? 
Yeah, it's actually quite diverse, I would say. We have a handful of people from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a handful of people from Malaysia. So for instance, studying at Monash. Um, someone also, uh, some people are also young professionals. Then we also have one, like two people in the US. So we're quite spread out. Um, mm-hmm. And now that the summer is over, I guess all of us were pretty much in Malaysia at the time, but now we're all sort of flying over to the different countries and, and continuing our studies or even working um, back, back at other countries. While still tutoring and mentoring these students? Yeah, so in terms of the 30 to 35 of us, we're sort mm-hmm. of like the organizing committee in some way. Um, okay. So we are the ones, you know, putting in the structures, running the program, but we actually recruit, uh, we've recruited 250 tutors to actually Whoa. tutor and mentor these 250 students. Wow. Um, and in terms of these tutors that we've got on board, they're also from a diverse range of backgrounds. So we got some people who have just completed SPM last year and are giving their time now to tutor someone in SPM um, for next year. Then we also have some people who are in university, um, but also some people who have been who are like who have been working for five to ten years already. So quite a diverse range, but they're also from around the world. So Malaysians in Malaysia, Singapore, um, the US, the UK, and so forth. Hmm. That's really impressive. And 250, yeah. wow. So what's the recruitment process like for, for both tutors and students? Mm-hmm. So in terms of tutors, um, we do have to set sort of a minimum requirement in terms of grades. So for instance, we ask them for their SPM we ask them for at least um, an A in their SPM. However, if they also took an SPM equivalent, we do take that into consideration when we're mm-hmm. selecting our tutors. Another thing is we actually are quite flexible on the languages. Um, so for instance, if you do speak English, um, only English, only Malay, only Mandarin, or only Tamil, we do, we do allow tutors to apply there. However, it's also based on the students that we get. And we'll try and match it accordingly. So those are things that, yeah, we allow tutors from a variety of different backgrounds to apply. We also mm-hmm. expect the tutors to commit at least two or three, three hours a week for about mm. three months. Moving from there, we also conduct an interview with the tutors, with the, with the applicants, sort of also to ask them more questions about their motivation and also just to get a feel of, you know, how they'll be on the program. And mm-hmm. so after that, that's when we actually select our tutors for the program. In terms of the student end, it's a bit more complicated, I would say, because we really want to find the students that will most benefit from our program. So our team actually reached out to a lot of different teachers around Malaysia, um, over 100 teachers, actually. And from there, wow. we actually explained the whole program to them, told them this is a free one-to-one tutoring program that will last uh, roughly three months. And we're only going to be doing SPM math. And we're looking for students who are actually achieving below an A grade uh, currently. Mm. And also just, you know, finding difficulties in learning. So these are students mm. maybe, um, you know, they're not coming from a very good background. They don't have the finances to actually afford extra support. Um, they've been disengaged in class because perhaps, you know, they've been working as well on the side and they can't attend from the nine to five classes. So we explained yeah. this whole program mm-hmm. to them and we asked the teachers to actually recommend students that will most benefit. Um, it was quite a 
quite a long process for the student team. However, that's the only way we could actually get the right students for the program instead of people who can already afford support and other yeah. means of, um, you know, maybe even affording one-to-one tuition outside. So we really do want to target those that need it the most. However, it was a yeah. bit more of a, it was a longer process on the student end. Mm, that definitely makes sense because I think that, like for me, I didn't do well in math, but I could have afforded tuition if I wanted to, but it, and it sounds like you're really targeting those who are really deserving of it. And But where did this idea come about, actually? Oh, yeah. So in terms of Rakan Tutor itself, it actually came from a three-month research project that we conducted at the start of the year. So we did a pro bono consulting research project. And from there, we actually deep dive into the Malaysian education space in light of mm-hmm. COVID-19, of the pandemic. So, you know, the first half was really just understanding how education is affecting or how the pandemic is affecting students, how it's affecting teachers and how it's affecting the schools, as well mm. as, you know, um, how the parents are feeling at home. Yeah. So we did identify a number of different you know, areas for improvement. So, for instance, students, some of them just had to, to, to support their family and couldn't actually attend lessons during the day. So what happened was these students just never, you know, got the education they needed for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And we felt that was quite a problem because from our global research, we found that, you know, school closures in the past have been quite detrimental to students' education. They just never caught up after that. So for instance, mm-hmm. you know, three to six months of school closures actually led to about two plus years of learning loss after a number oh, of wow. years. Because, you know, if you don't learn something now then you can't really progress so yeah. students miss something now and then they can't actually learn something next year so mm-hmm. we found that out another thing was you know teachers are actually super overwhelmed they have never taught online before and now they've just been like you know like a month later they've just been thrown into the deep end have to like oh, figure yeah. out all the online tools and shift everything and it was quite an abrupt change for them and some mm-hmm. a lot of them just didn't know how to prepare for it adequately. And so they were working actually very late nights to, to create resources, which was very tiring for them. But mm. um, yeah, so we for the first half, it was just about understanding the problem. But the second half of the project was what can be done to support students, you know, overcome, or what can be done to support students in overcoming learning loss? Um, and... Yeah, we looked around the world at different initiatives um, prior to the pandemic as well as during the pandemic. And, you know, a number of different initiatives. So, for instance, in the U.S., uh, in Tennessee, they ran a cohort with 500 tutors and 500 students uh, in Tennessee. So that was quite an interesting model. And they actually did a, um, an impact report for that. We actually showed they didn't just improve academically, but they also improved in terms of like their social emotional learning skills and so forth. Mm-hmm. Right. And then another example is in Italy. This one was quite comprehensive. They, I think the report's like 50 to 60 pages or something, but it was very, oh, very wow. comprehensive. And they went and understood that. And they ran a program, 500 uh, tutors, uh, volunteer tutors from university and 500 middle school students. They ran the program for, I think, about two to three months. And they found the same thing. It was like improve academics as yeah. well as improve um, motivation and so forth. And so we thought, you know, that's quite a compelling case and mm-hmm. quite a 
a good model. It's also a very low cost model. And, you know, we felt that with the capacity that we have in Malaysia, we felt that we could do something uh, back home. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I like that how you were not just looking at problems or research that was already existing in Malaysia, but you also looked into other countries. And that's that's really cool, you know, looking to other countries and how they are doing it and trying to adapt it to our own local um, environment. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome? I think... One of the biggest hurdles is definitely the student recruitment because we one alternative that we could have gone with was just to open up the student registration on our website, you know, put it mm-hmm. on our Instagram and let students apply. As, as I was sort of mentioning before as well, if we do that, we could get a lot of students who already have support, who can already afford, you know, one-to-one classes and just want that extra support. Someone who's achieved high grades just to like give them, you know, extra past peer papers, extra feedback and so forth. So we could have done that. However, we felt that wasn't the best way of acquiring students or the students that actually needed the most. So mm-hmm. the student team worked really, really hard to you know, explain this program to teachers who might be quite skeptical, actually. You know, there are a lot of different programs out there as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are putting out programs saying like, oh, jump onto this tuition, you know, go onto this webinar, these classes. But a lot of them may not be very effective. So I guess the teachers are also quite skeptical about, you know, our program, um, whether it's free. I know, I know I spoke to one or two teachers as well, and they were saying, mm-hmm. like, is this really free? Because they just couldn't believe it. So it's a lot about explaining the whole program and how we'll actually support the students for three months. Um, so that was very tiring for the student team. But at the end, you know, their determination and hard work really um, got us to get 250 students. That is really impressive. I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges. I'm really curious if, let's say, like like you've been saying that the, the program's tutoring is free, right? And the fact that all of you are working like across different time zones and even working late nights, I'm sure, to just kind of keep this going mm-hmm. and obviously sacrificing a lot and hustling a lot. And it's really inspiring. But I'm just curious if there's any way to sustain this in the long run. Yeah, I think one of the things that's quite unavoidable is the time zone differences. Mm-hmm. So for instance, we have people in Malaysia, we have people in the UK, there's one person in Boston, and there's one person in California as well. Wow. So literally, you know, I think the biggest time difference there is about 15 hours, which is quite crazy, actually, especially when you have to communicate on a weekly basis or, you know, get onto calls on a weekly basis. Yeah. So definitely say, you know, sometimes time zone differences are an issue. However, everyone makes the time or puts in the hard work to make it happen. So for instance, some people get up at 8. Um, some people are staying up until 12 a.m., 1 a.m. to, you know, have these calls and to align on the organization. So it's really down mm. to the teams, like putting in the extra effort to make mm. it happen. But in terms of the sustainability, I guess, you know, right now we're, we're in the middle of our first cohort, which will end in November. After that, we don't want Rakan Tutor to just be a pandemic project. Mm-hmm. We don't want Rakan Tutor to just, you know, be a one-off thing. We do want to make this more sustainable and impact more students in the future. Yeah. You know, impact more students across the country as well. Yeah. That's something we're actively thinking about now. How can we do more than just 250 students and 250 tutors? Um, mm. How can we be recruiting the next organizing committee? And how can yeah. we, you know, continue this for many years, not just, you know, for one year? Mm-hmm. That's something we're really thinking about now. Um, it's very, very early stage because we're, we're still running the first cohort. 
we do want to run more cohorts in the future. And just out of curiosity, do you plan on expanding to other subjects as well? And maybe not just one-on-one tutoring? Or is that still all being planned? Yeah, I think one of the key things for this first cohort is actually to gather the data and understand if you know, the one-to-one model is is effective. Right. So for instance, in Italy and in the US, it was effective. So we do, that's why we, we started this program as well. However, we also want to look on, into our own program because there are slight differences. I think the one difference is how we organize the tutors as well. So for instance, we have tutor pods. So we have five, five to 10 tutors in one pod um, headed up by a tutor lead who actually organizes socials and sharing sessions. So there are slight differences in the whole program. However, you know, at the end of the first cohort, we do want to understand, get the data and understand if this was effective. And Mm -hmm. from there, we'll actually try to make tweaks to it and understand, you know, is the one-to-one model working? Um, Should we do maybe two-to-one and so forth? So those are things Mm -hmm. that still haven't fully decided. In terms of the subjects and your groups, that will be up to us as well next year. However, we do look to expand to different subjects in your groups. It's just that it might take more time to do so because, you know, in our first cohort, we had to gather resources for SPM math. We do want our teachers to feel very well supported during the tutoring sessions. So if we do, you know, expand to like five subjects, let's say next year, um, we do have to make sure that we're still having the same quality, but we do, you know, hope to do more year groups and age groups in the future. Mm, Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's super important that everybody is aligned and, and aligned to the same goals and willing to commit and dedicate to the project even in the long run. Yeah, and I think it's really cool that you're doing it in such a systematic way where you're actually using this phase to look at your model and see its effectiveness mm-hmm. rather than just diving in and just running with it for a long time, actually taking a step back and mm-hmm. doing that postmortem in a way. Yeah, because I guess it's also like a different context, right? So for instance, that was in Italy, that was in the US, but you can never be 100% sure it will work. Mm. So we still need to collect the data exactly, and understand, is it working? Where can we improve and so forth? Mm. Yeah. yeah, that is so important. So how are how are the operations now that um you know you're in the UK and your co-founder is back in Malaysia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we, we had the idea for Rakan Tutor in roughly April, um, where I was back in Malaysia. So we've been operating the um we've been operating together in Malaysia since yeah, April, April till September. Mm. Uh, when I came back. I I just came back about two weeks ago. Um there isn't too much of a challenge i would say right now just because i can take calls in the afternoon um and she's fine taking calls right after work uh at Mm -hmm. night so i think right now it's it's quite fine but in terms of you know according the whole team and getting all the meetings set up i guess that takes a bit more time um but in terms of like kai song and i um we've, we've been able to find time over the past two weeks that's great i guess you can look at it as um there's kai song and i as the co-founders However, we also have a lot of, um, we have a handful of directors as well. So Mm. for instance, two marketing directors, um, two operations directors, two student welfare directors, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's like, there's about eight to 10 of us there. And then we also have the associates in our team who are also based around the world. So for instance, some are in Malaysia, some are in the UK, and so forth. 
Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, coordinating the, the times is definitely a challenge, but we, we do put in the extra effort to make it work. So some people, yeah. you know, wake up quite early. Um, some people are staying up quite late as well. But yeah. yeah, we're all super passionate about education. So we do take that extra effort to find the time to, to contribute. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming from an education background myself, I'm really happy to see that you guys are pioneering this. Really, really cool. And of course, with the internet and like Zoom, WhatsApp and all this, you can basically communicate anytime that you like, right? And And even the teachers are communicating with your kids in the same way. I mean, I teach my kids online every day also. Um, are there any special moments during like the, the tutoring sessions that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I think you know, a lot of us have been able to jump onto Zoom and have calls with other people um, pretty much instantaneously because we have good internet connection, um, we have adequate devices and so forth. However, there are a lot of students that actually don't have their own personal device. They don't have a computer. They're using 4G. Sometimes they don't even have 4G coverage. They're using 3G to actually jump onto lessons. And some of them don't even have internet because the the towers are just not close enough to their home. Mm. And so if I could just illustrate one example, um, there's a tutor called Jacqueline who actually is, is on our program. And she's been conducting all her lessons via phone calls and WhatsApp pictures. So she would send homework to her QT. Um, the QT would send it back a few hours later or the next day or so forth. She'll mark it and then send a picture back. Um, and the reason for this, oh, and then when she wants to explain a concept, she'll actually give the QT a phone call and mm. explain it through there. It's quite a surreal thing mm. because I guess in my sense, I, you know, when the pandemic hit, it was quite a natural progression onto online classes. Mm-hmm. It was sort of, you know, the university took maybe like two to three weeks to sort it out. But after that, you know, all the lectures were online, the seminars were online. Now I even did exams online and so forth. However, mm-hmm. for a lot of these students, they don't have that kind of access. And, you know, if you come to think of it, let's say you had a lot of those kind of students in one class. Let's say 50% of the students in one one class, let's say like 10 students, right? And one class are facing this issue. The teacher doesn't have time to actually, um, you know, have a one-to-one phone call with them and actually yeah. support them in their learning because yeah. it's it's almost impossible, right? You can't be spending those many hours. And these students also, if they can't access them, they're just not going to continue learning. And so mm-hmm. this, this, this tutor and this tutee really illustrated that unequal access to education around the country and really depends where you live and know your background as well because Mm. she actually doesn't have continuous access to electricity as well which is another issue Mm. Um, but yeah she doesn't have access to a steady line of internet and her classes as well are just conducted via phone and whatsapp messages yeah i think it's all these things that you just take for granted because it's so integrated into your life but you don't realize how much it affects other people and just the disparity between the different like societal classes right mm-hmm. so it's really cool that you're actually taking that um that step to bridge that a little bit more i think you're already doing more than the malaysian government so i i think that you you have shared so much about how your founding team or your our operations team and the teachers are really so passionate about this and are dedicating so much time and effort into making this successful but i think 
on the other hand, there's a lot of us who feel like it's hard to get involved with non-profit work in Malaysia, especially if you're studying or living abroad, or even if you are in Malaysia, right? We have so much different commitments and all of that. So mm. as people who have lived abroad and are still heavily involved in non-profit work, what are some tips or resources you can give to our listeners who want to get involved with nonprofit work, or maybe those who actually want to start their own nonprofits, like you did? That's a very interesting question, actually. I think it's a lot easier now, given mm-hmm. that you know a lot of the nonprofits had to operate virtually over the past year or so. I'd say it was a lot mm-hmm. harder before then to do virtual work because you know a lot of people would just meet up at like you know their cafe and do work. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll have an office in Malaysia. But I think it's a lot more accessible now. So a lot of different, you know, if you just follow a lot of different Instagram pages um, and you look at a lot of different openings as well. So, for instance, I think one of the resources that's quite useful is is Wiki Impact. So they actually have a job, they have a job, if I'm not mistaken, a job board on their website where a lot of different nonprofits actually post up opportunities. Mm. So... Yeah, I think that's really worth looking out for because they, they recently um, started this. Um, and if you check their Instagram as well, they've actually posted different opportunities in different companies or different nonprofits that people can apply to. Um, but in terms of the different nonprofits as well, even if they don't have an opportunity right now or they haven't posted, I would still say it's worth it just to DM them and ask them, you know, hey, I'm really, really passionate about this. Um, I'm currently living overseas right now, so I won't be able to meet up physically. But if there is an opportunity for me, please let me know. I'm really passionate. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely, if they, they find someone who is really passionate about something, um, they'll definitely take your name down. Or at least I know a lot of different organizations take your name down. So mm-hmm. for instance, at Rakan Tutor as well, um, a lot of people have been DMing us um, saying, hey, I'd really like to volunteer again. No, I really like to volunteer. Wow. What opportunities are there? And, you know, we have a volunteer, um, sort of like a, it's not really a pre-registration, but it's like an, a volunteer interest form on our website where people can just put in their details and we'll reach out to them, um, you know, when our next cohort opens. Mm-hmm. So that's also something that we do. And a lot of organizations um, follow a similar path as well. So I think in terms of nonprofit work, I think it's more accessible. Like it's more accessible. I guess nowadays it's um, easier to do it virtually. So definitely yeah. reach out, but also look you know onto the different Instagram pages and websites. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was Wiki Impact, right? That you mentioned. Ah uh, yes, correct. Yeah, and I think the most important thing is find something that you're passionate about, right? Because that would fuel you to actually follow through with it rather than just feeling like, oh, this isn't doing anything for me and yeah. falling off the wagon. Yeah, I think even if like, um, let's say you don't have an idea to start something now, that's perfectly fine. I think a lot of ideas also come when you meet other people in different organizations. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, at Rakan Tutor, number of the team members are people that I met in ICMS. Uh, for our listeners, really quick note, ICMS is the International Council of Malaysian Scholars. Right, Kavin? Yes, correct. Um, just because I got to know them there um, and we were passionate about the same thing, which was education. Mm, and so, you know, mm-hmm. I asked them like, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Do you want to be a part of this? And they were very like willing to, to, to commit to the project. So I think it's not necessarily about, you know, I really want to start something. So start it now. 
But sometimes it's all about, you know, getting to know people, joining other nonprofits, learning from them, and then moving on and doing your own thing afterwards, um, which is something that if anyone's up to, definitely go for it because if you're passionate, things can really happen. Great. And what's next for Rakan Tutor? So you have talked about, you know, look, using this time to look at your data, look at your current model. You've talked about maybe building things out in the future, but is there anything in the near future that you're excited about for Rakan Tutor? Yeah, so actually, we recently closed our fundraiser. So that was quite a big initiative that Rakan Tutor was running. We were targeting 30,000 ringgit. But very, very fortunately, we surpassed our target. So we wow, closed congratulations. Around. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very Yay. much. Um, it was quite surreal, actually, because a lot of words of encouragement, a lot of people that actually wanted to contribute to education, which really motivates us even more to contribute. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, we closed our fundraiser last week. We're very overwhelmed with the support. And now it's also, you know, in the near future, it's about channeling those funds to the students. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, purchasing data packages and learning materials. Mm -hmm. So, as I said before, um, some students find um, can't actually, you know, pay for extra data when it runs out. So we do support them on that end as well, um, as well as computers, because some people don't have personal devices to access education. So mm -hmm. we're very fortunate also to work with a number of other nonprofits to channel uh, computers to our students. So yeah, that's in the new future. And also just making sure our tutors and students are having a very positive experience. Um, I think that's the yeah. real focus over the next few months. Mm, love it. Congratulations again. And out of curiosity, what was the fundraiser? So the fundraiser, we opened up the fundraiser to, to target 30,000 ringgit. However, we mm -hmm. also had a few different initiatives during when the fundraiser was open. So I think the one thing that I can definitely highlight was this swimathon. So this person actually reached out to us and he said, "Hey, I really like to I really like your organization and I want to contribute. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about swimming a 12-hour swimathon for my 21st birthday. Oh, and wow. I'd like all the funds to be channeled to Rock and Tutor." So we got that oh. message and we're just like, "Wow, that's kind of crazy like 12-hour swimathon." Yeah. Um, and we've never heard anything like it before. But the person was super, super passionate about education and super passionate about what he was you know, going to be doing 12 hours of swimming. And so, you know, we had a discussion. We're like, let's make it happen. Mm, and so it happened. Yeah. You know, he, he swam between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on a Saturday. He, his family was there around the swimming pool cheering him on. Aww. You know, his neighbors came down. Some of them swam with him. Our marketing team highlighted everything on our Instagram. So if anyone wants to go see the swimathon or like see the highlights of it, um, feel free to check out Rakan Tutor Instagram. Yeah, even like YB Hanayo um, attended on the day to, to support. Wow. She even pledged 2,000 ringgit, oh, cool. which was really crazy. She was very supportive of the initiative of Rakan Tutor mm -hmm. and also, you know, the swimathon. That is so awesome. Yeah, this person swam 12 hours. Like, <laughs> my, my jaw is just like open. Like, that's crazy. 12 hours. I can't even do like one hour of swimming and like 12 hours to yeah. to for fundraising that is really really yeah. inspiring yeah. yeah his name is harish actually so he he's turning he, he turned 21 like a few days after the swimathon yeah he swam 12 hours and you know how many laps he swam and like how many kilometers he swam 530 <laughs> laps in a swimming pool oh my gosh wow uh, it's 40 meters per lap 
And in total, he swam 21.2 kilometers. Oh my gosh. Just like crazy, right? It's crazy, it's like, yes. The I was commitment. like, wow. Yeah. And like he did it for 12 hours. Like he took short breaks, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't like an hour, two hour breaks. Like he probably took like very short breaks in between. If you go take a break and eat, then you could get like cramps and so forth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he did like 12 hours of swimming. And I was just like, that's crazy. So is this guy, is he a trained swimmer? Oh, I don't think so. But him and his family um, actually do like open water swimming. So that's like swimming in like oceans and, you know, lakes and so forth. But the thing is, he's never swam more than 20. Like, I think he's like much super certain what the figure was. I can't fully remember. But he said he's never swam more than 10 kilometers before at like one go. But he really pushed his limit. Um, for this fundraiser and he swam 21.2 which was absolutely crazy but yeah i guess he's an open water swimmer so he does swim but he's never Mm. done 20 kilometers before yeah huge props to him harish if you're listening to this huge kudos thank you for doing that thank you for Mm -hmm. your sacrifice that's that's so crazy all right so i'm gonna do a quick recap here for those people who might be thinking about getting involved in nonprofit, and even your your story about fundraising was actually quite inspirational i think that if you want to somehow get involved in a nonprofit, but you maybe might not have the time or the resources to actually you know be a part of it there's other ways that you can support like what Harish probably not swimming for 12 hours but you know if there's any other ways that you could offer any um, fundraising support or other things like that feel free to reach out to these nonprofits. I'm sure that they'll be more than happy to accept help but what Kavin has shared if you're interested is firstly reaching out to different platforms one of that could be wiki impact which is a platform to find nonprofits. you can dm Um, different nonprofits directly just saying like, hey, I'm really interested in this. And the key here is to find nonprofits that you're actually interested in and passionate about. Mm -hmm. Next is networking, right? So building ideas with people in your network or just bouncing ideas off of each other. That's really when ideation happens. And thirdly, you don't have to start something yourself, which is what I just mentioned earlier. Um, Get ideas from participating in something else or find a way to contribute. Kevin, is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners? No, I think that was really well um, summed up. I think it's all about finding that passion and trying to make it a reality as well because, you know, you may have an idea, but... And, and there might be a lot of different people out there that support that idea. It's just that you don't know it yet. So mm-hmm. I think it's really about, you know, sharing it with your circle, getting their feedback, shaping it. And, you know, just actually starting it and taking that leap of faith. Yes, love it. Um, because you never know how many more people out there support you too. And best believe there are a lot of people there that will support you. Yes, love it. Yeah, thank you for tying it back to leap that leap of faith. Mm. That's so important. And thank you for taking that leap of faith, just looking at what can be done to support students to overcome learning loss. Love the model of Rakan Cheater. And thank you so much, Kavin, for sharing your story here. Yeah, no worries at all. Very inspiring. Thank you so yeah, much. thank you very much for your time as well. Great to be here today. Really quickly, for all of those who are interested in getting involved in Rakan Tutor, or maybe might be interested in reaching out to Kavin and co-founder Kai Song, um, you can reach out to them on Instagram at Rakan Tutor. Right, Kavin? Yes, correct. Um, okay, right. And if you're interested to, you know, be part of the next cohort or be notified of future volunteering opportunities, 
uh, do check out our website, rockontutor.org. We do have an interest form for volunteer tutors. Thank you again, Kavin. We enjoyed hearing your story and thank you for all the work you're doing. Yeah, thank you, Kavin. All the best to you and your Rakan Tutor team. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.